Hey, welcome to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we are chinwagging with Gerald Gallagher, CEO and General Counsel at Nation, all caps. He's going to be talking about what happens behind the scenes in Congress's crypto regulation, the underlying motives driving these regulatory changes, and what happens to crypto should the U.S. decide to step away from it. Enjoy. Welcome, 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 everybody. Nice to see you all. We're going to have a great event today. If you don't know what's going on, here is an agenda. What is on tap? Because this is Diffuse Tap. Get it. Um, we do this every week, 169 or so times. Uh, we're going to briefly talk about the Diffuse Tap, the event you're at right now and why we're doing what we're doing. And we're going to talk about Diffuse. We'll get our plugging out of the way. And then we're going to hear from a longtime Diffuse Tap attendee, Gerald Gallagher. And then we're going to do two more rounds of tap rooms, kind of similar to what you just experienced, but now you know it's coming. Uh, the reason we do this is Diffuse Tap is largely a networking event. For about 15 minutes of every hour, we do have a speaker like Mr. Gallagher talk a little bit about what they know about, share some knowledge with y'all. Um, and then if you do like the networking aspect of this, the next in-person Fuse Tap is September 13th in New York, hosted by Andy Harrison. So if you're around New York, then come check it out. And Andy even put the event bright link in the chat because he is on top of it. So click that, register, do your thing. Diffuse is a fund platform primarily focused on digital assets. So we have the, the big push right now is our Diffuse Digital 30 product, which is an index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies, market cap weighted, uh, monthly rebalanced, kind of trying to be the S&P 500 for crypto. We are publicly listed as of very recently, after quite a long process. So if you want to learn more about that, check us out because we are aggressively scaling it as we speak. That's enough about us. Let's hear from Mr. Gallagher. Gerald, do you want to tell folks a little bit about your background and what you're up to over at Nation? Yeah. Hey, Kenny, thanks for uh, for having me. Hi, everyone. Um, excited to uh, to talk about some interesting stuff today. Um, so as uh, general counsel and COO and Nation, uh, we are primarily a, a DAO infrastructure platform. So what that means is, is uh, in my time on the regulatory and legal side, spending a lot of time thinking about sort of compliant pathways for um, for crypto companies or, or projects that want to launch a token or form some kind of a, a DAO is a bit of a, a misnomer. Um, but some kind of entity that's going to involve, um, you know, some kind of decentralization over time and, and different governance mechanisms based on sort of their purpose. Um, I've been in this space uh, for a while, but wasn't really full time until kind of 2020, 2021 um, have been jumping, jumped over to the legal side. I was in venture um, working in heavily regulated industries, so primarily healthcare and fintech um insure tech a couple others um prior to this and and so the way i really ended up kind of jumping into it was uh you know i was i was a vc and and working at home and was getting a little bored uh you know with with uh some of the aspects of that industry and uh a couple of my buddies uh started a project where they wanted to try to buy a copy of the U.S. Constitution, um, and so that was Constitution DAO. <laughs> um, I told them it was a terrible idea. 
uh, and then it kind of worked. And so, um, so I, I, I moved further into the space. So, um, but yeah, that was a, a fun, weird path, uh, to, to where we are today. I love it. And neither here nor there constitution doubt. They didn't actually buy it. Did they didn't it get revamped into something completely different? No, it was so the best thing that ever happened to them is that they, uh, did not win, uh, that auction. Um, my opinion, but, uh, no. So, so they lost, um, it was really interesting kind of unwinding, um, returned a lot of the funds, uh, gas at the time was very high. So there were some interesting kind of technical challenges. Um, and then, yeah, there was a weird path afterwards where the, the, the keys were burned and then the token mooned. Um, and so it was, a, yeah, it was a, an interesting experience, but no, they did not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I, I don't know what I do with the constitution if I had it. But uh, the title of the talk today is regulation in the U.S. specifically. And I'll say pretty much every speaker, we end up touching on this subject. So I guess kind of give folks the lay of the land. What is happening in Congress as it pertains to crypto regulation? Yeah, so it's it's a really interesting time, um, and I'm excited about some of the progress that's being made. I think one of the things that I was just talking with uh, some of the the individuals in the first breakout um, about was that it's hard. Crypto uh, is approached as a sort of like monolithic industry, right? And so the the challenge is it really depends on what you're talking about when you're talking about legislation in Congress. So. You know, there's uh, the Bitcoin miners, right, who really are actually kind of from a legislative perspective following sort of an, an energy playbook, right? They're looking for capacity in terms of and and tax revenue or tax rebates um, in in higher energy output states. So that's that's one model. You have the NFT guys saying, hey, we're not like anything that you're doing, you know, regulating. We're just making JPEGs and we're baseball cards. You have... DeFi, which is uh, a super interesting group, but largely, I think, uh, has extremely sort of libertarian roots um, and, you know, is, is really focused on on a, a set of legislative goals. And then you have what I would call sort of everyone else uh, who just wants to maybe launch a token or even just understand what pathways they have uh, for, for organizing in the U.S. So right now um, there was a, a bill. Um, it's called, I believe it was, it started out as a digital, digital innovation or digital assets, uh, bill. Now it's called fit the fit act. Uh, so financial innovation and technology in the 21st century act. Um, that one just made it out of committee, um, which is very exciting. So, uh, the proposal there is essentially the, the biggest challenge that the U S has right now is that, uh, and we can get into more of the nuances, but legislators have a really hard time wrapping their heads around the fact that something could be a security and then could cease to be a security. Um, and so what the FIT Act actually does is sort of codify that. There's a dual registration process uh, where you would have, um, you would, as a project, you would register the SEC and the CFTC. A lot of legislators have... Um, issues with the amount of cost or time to implement, you know, which are typical of any kind of legislative issue. Um, but that's, that's the probably the most promising piece of legislation. And then you have a lot of local legislation, um, you know, in, in various states trying to accommodate things like stable coins or banking or, you know, redefine things like narrow banking, which would allow a bank to issue a currency essentially. 
Um, you have Dow laws. So there's, but the, the biggest sort of federal kind of momentum that we see is, is probably the FIT Act. And then there's a few sort of stablecoin bills kind of making their way through the pipes uh, in DC. Uh, well, let's let's focus in on the the FIT bill. So House Committee, right? You got out of House Committee. So what it goes to the House floor and then it goes to Senate is uh, like reading the tea leaves. Yeah. Your point, going back to your point about, um, let's just say, the geriatric skew of our representatives, uh, maybe not necessarily getting all of all of this. What do you think the odds are this actually makes it through? Like what has to happen? So I've it. So. Uh, it it has a decent chance of making it through the house so it basically it made it through um the subcommittees that are and the committees that are sort of associated with CFTC you know commodities things like that and then financial regulation um it has a decent chance of getting out of the house it actually ended up picking up some bipartisan support that's one of the other odd things that's happened in the united mm-hmm. states that hasn't necessarily happened as much elsewhere and i think it's probably more you know, it's almost a microcosm of of where we are on a lot of policy issues in the United States. It became heavily partisan, and so um, it it there was some some demo, some some support from Democrats um, some, to to move that bill out of committee. Um, now, the other side of that is that uh, Senator Warren has essentially declared the bill kind of dead on arrival in the Senate. Um, and so it will likely be heavily redlined, uh, if a version of it passes, but, um, it's also probably the best thing going for the industry in the United States. And I think it'll just take, um, you know, efforts locally and and nationally and, and even, you know, some of the, some of the explanations of, you know, American brain drain and all the other things that we're going to talk about, um, you know, to, to find support there. All right. Well, I got to say the fact that the best thing going for crypto is a bill that is DOA when it hits the Senate probably speaks to something. I'm not I'm not entirely clear what. So where I mean, compare and contrast, you mentioned other countries. Where does the U.S. sit in its regulatory efforts compared to, well, the field, the rest of the, the world? Yeah. So, and again, so kind of narrowing it down to let's call it, uh, cause DeFi, they have some really interesting sort of objectives. You know, I have a lot of respect for the industry, but I think from a legislative perspective, they, they kind of create some of, some of their own challenges just on, in terms of stable coins and just, uh, being able to issue tokens and know what exactly they are. Um, the U S is, and probably will continue to be for the foreseeable future, the largest financial market in, in the world, right? So there is some um, desire of uh, foreign investors or foreign entrepreneurs to be able to access that market. Um, but in terms of what we're actually doing, I'd say we are uh, really shooting ourselves in the foot. The first issue is probably, and by the way, I should have started out. So none of this is legal advice and all these opinions are my own. Um, but so excellent, great, uh, great job. <laughs> yeah, a little late there, but yeah, I got well. it there. Um, so the the problem with with regulation by enforcement, which is which is what we've been going through in the United States, is that there's sort of this guise of consumer protection, but it's all kind of uh skipping out on things like due process, uh, going after projects that actually aren't hurting consumers when projects that did hurt consumers have already, have already you know, failed. 
Um, and so where you see gap filling happening, um, it was really interesting that Andreessen just opened an office in London. Mm. Um, London obviously saw a lot of their financial services industry uh, shift to the continent post-Brexit. And I think they're trying to figure out some of their identity there. Um, the So there's, there's some flexibility uh, and some accommodation that I think they're willing to give the industry and, and sort of create these sandboxes and things like that. Um, you have Singapore, uh, you know, opening their doors to, to kind of uh, stable coins. You have virtual asset regulatory authority in, in Dubai um, looking to uh, and you actually have it sort of across the Middle East. But I think VARA has been the most um, outspoken about it in terms of accommodating entrepreneurs who want to do something in the field um, because they're going through these massive sort of cyclical shifts um, in terms of the way their economies are structured. Um so there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of large markets, obviously not as large as the U.S., but but very large markets trying to step in and fill the void. Um, and then of course the other problematic piece of that is that if you have U.S. customers, you the, you are you are subject to U.S. regulation, right? So there's still still further complication there, but interesting so, progress. Uh, uh, painting with a broad brush, the answer is. It varies, but generally a lot more positive reception internationally than domestically. So we had one of our speakers, God, two years ago, I think at this point, uh, he had a soundbite I get a lot of coverage out of his uh, or mileage out of, which is the U.S. is at a severe risk of becoming a digital backwater. Do you kind of share that view with where things stand right now and the fact that international or other countries are being more friendly to digital asset issuers and people working in that space? I think there is a risk. Um, you know, the the interesting thing about the industry is, you know, at the time of that soundbite, we were probably somewhere close to that $3 trillion market cap, mm -hmm. right? And and now we're now around like you know whatever it is one point two I don't I don't know but um and and that's not a small figure but in terms of you know a, a twenty one trillion GDP or whatever it is um, I think one of the challenges that we have with crypto is that um, it's really just the bad actors who get highlighted right and so there's a lot of policy work to be done there. Um, but I do think there's there's a risk, and I I like to see the momentum in Washington that there is from the private sector. But there's definitely a risk um, that we will lose that edge, um, and and also that you know right now it's the 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 loss of that industry is not enough to be painful to the United States. Mm. But I think by the time we figure it out, it could potentially be too late. Um, you know, to 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 fix it, right? Like if if the UK or any one of these other jurisdictions really figures it out, then yeah, the United States is uh, is not a destination for for mm. these technologies. And you could even pair that in with the AI discussions going on, right? Like there's we are very uh, skeptical of technology overall in the United States. I think right now, which is which is a, a big challenge, a big generational challenge. Okay, you kind of touched on it a little bit there. So there's the the concept of London and other countries being more friendly. So there's a first mover genies out of the bottle type thing and the US can't really catch up. You also earlier talked about um, how this interacts with the US financial services industry. 
um, and stable coins are obviously trying to make a play on that. Can you expand on your thoughts there? And maybe a, a quote from Matt Levine we use a lot, which is um, every transaction today goes through New York, right? Yeah. Every single one, because all of these massive banks, they all are regulated by New York. So no matter where you are in the world, it all goes through New York and the US is this hegemon. Um, do you see crypto changing that in a meaningful way? And is that part of the reason why there's a lot of hesitancy here? Or where do you think the interplay is? Yeah, that's a super interesting question. My other, my second favorite Matt Levine quote is probably that everything is securities fraud. Maybe if you've ever heard, <laughs> uh, yeah, which is uh, which is weird, just in terms of of how the U.S. works from a regulatory perspective. But the big thing that I think digital assets and crypto uh, promise from a technological perspective is disintermediation. Right. Like that's, and so if you do use that as an analogy, right, that every transaction goes through New York, well, what happens when transactions don't need to go through any institution? Mm. Right. Like, and so that makes it uh, not only very scary to the people who do control the access points and the hubs. Um, you know, we were, I was talking earlier with some folks about on ramps and off ramps, things like that. That's where you involve the US, the US financial system. It's very easy to just play around in crypto all day, right? Moving your money from token to token, all that kind of stuff. When you need to get it out, that's, that's where the challenges uh, start to form from a regulatory perspective. But so what that also does is it adds a lot of flexibility to who can fill that hub or that spoke model. Like they, if you don't need it to be New York and you barely need it to be anyone, um, then yeah, I think you really open the door to a lot of other jurisdictions to be able to fill those gaps. Understood. Well, and that actually brings us back to a question from, uh, sort of question from June and Chris both. Um, I know who's for crypto regulation and a fit bill, and it's basically the people in this room, right? Like, and, and flavors thereof. Who's against it? Um, we we kind of you touched on financial institutions. I'm guessing that's one of the major lobbying arms against it. Kind of who's stacked up and who's trying to keep this from happening? Yeah, it's interesting. So there's I I love this discussion because there are a lot of folks um, who who veer uh, you know who maybe could have been considered kind of a tin hat crowd a couple years ago um, and who just keep seeming to be right on on how how the how the industry was being regulated right so talking about you know operation choke point and, and you know choke point yeah where where you have you know you have banks basically you, you have you know uh you have the financial sort of powers that be uh you know and the regulators kind of kind of uh cutting off access to some of these um i think there's the one on an individual basis there's obviously a huge challenge for anyone and this on both sides of the aisle, but it, it did tend to get a lot more press on the left. Anyone who took money from FTX and, and mm. Sam Freed, um, they have a really hard and I, and I, I, I respect the position that they tried to trust someone who was the good guy and got severely burned. Um, but mm. I also think it's made them sort of irrationally fearful um of of this of this sector and this technology um and then yeah i think you you know you have people who uh frankly who just don't uh understand the the technology and and you know their their constituents that's the other one of the mistakes that i think we make as an industry is uh because i let's be honest crypto is a bit of a bubble Right. Like if you're really in the industry, you're getting, you know, you're you're a lot of your information is on a loop and, and you you sort of see a lot of the same perspectives. We tend to think of ourselves as a very large voting block, but we are not. 
right? Compared at this at this current moment, like, mm-hmm. and so that's where a lot of work needs to be done, whether it's in the lobbying space or you know, with trade associations, whatever. Um, you know, this I think anyone who's got a big sort of lobby in their backyard is just not going to prioritize crypto. Oh, that's fascinating. And you mentioned earlier the crypto community is very libertarian bent, which is totally true, which makes it a scammy. <laughs> Let's be honest. It doesn't go hand in hand sometimes and be um, not really super nice to regulators and not wanting to play with them, which it sounds like might actually be kind of shooting industry in the foot. But either way, thank you very much, Gerald. And we're actually going to ask you the same question in between breakout rooms we always do, which is tell us the future. What are you excited by? Maybe not the fit bill, because obviously that's exciting, but who knows? But something else, just something maybe the audience hasn't heard about before. Before we drop you into another round of breakout rooms, some housekeeping items, networking, not pitching. Please be respectful of that and each other. Uh, We don't do a full participant list for privacy reasons. Swap details in the chat tap room if you want to connect with somebody or join the Telegram group and introduce yourself. Um, Speaking of introduce yourself, breakout rooms typically get to know each other a little bit and then discuss the topic du jour, which... Ayla, what is the topic du jour? It is where in the world would you start a crypto product if you could today? I'll pop you into rooms right now and we'll see you back here in about 10 minutes. All right. Indeed, we are back. Alexander, I put you on mute, but thank you for stealing my thunder. No, just kidding. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had good conversations. And Gerald, I think, is still here, although I can't find him. You want to unmute yourself? Oh, there he is. Hello. And tell us the future. What are you excited by? The future. So uh, we were just talking and I'm, I, without getting too sort of philosophical here, but in in our breakout room, the topic we we ended up on was this notion of disintermediation um, of the financial system. Right. And so I have been spending a lot of time on this. Um, you know, the there's this notion with human behavior where we tend to trust humans to sort of protect us from other humans. Um, and I could I could take that analogy to self-driving cars, right? If you know a car kills somebody one out of 50 million trips, you know, we we kind of focus on that and we ignore the fact of you know how many car crashes there are. And I bring this into kind of crypto and, and the, the financial industry. Because one of the funniest things to me has been the number of human failures at traditional financial institutions over the last couple hundred years, right? So even when you see some of these banks collapse, um, protocols, decentralized protocols actually absorb the losses pretty well. Um, so, so when you see something like Luna or Terra collapse, yeah, there's a lot of liquidity wiped out of the market, but it doesn't, uh, you know there aren't centralized entities taken down. So one of the things I'm very, or like if you talk about transmission of the dollar, right? And the number of steps you have to go through in the traditional financial system to move a unit of value. Um, I don't think that's going anywhere. And, and I think uh, that's something that, you know, we're excited about is is just the sort of the disintermediation of the financial system. That's, that's really interesting. I love that uh, positive slant to it. Yeah, because you're right. Genesis went kaplooey, Celsius, you know, BlockFi, all these folks. Ave had no issues, right? <laughs> Just kept doing its thing. Now it's wildly capital inefficient. There's certainly drawbacks to it, but it worked as intended and that counterparty risk wasn't really there. So yeah, absolutely. Huh, fascinating. Uh, Ms. Isla, topic number dose? Yeah, absolutely. 
looking at the recent regulation that's come out in uh, in the US um, or actually globally, uh, what are some of the key highlights there where you're feeling especially positive or especially bearish on crypto regulation globally? I'll pop you into rooms now. We'll see you back in 10 minutes. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're going to do a quick wrap up and get you out of here right on time. First, Gerald, plug your pluggables. How can people find you? Direct them wherever you feel like it. Yeah, sure. So um, I know some of you connected uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a great spot. Twitter or X, X now. Uh, yeah, right. just, uh, That Gerald. Um, and uh, yeah. I think that's that's uh, pretty much it. Those are the best two places. All right. Easy enough. Um, as a reminder, every week, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Central, come check it out next week. You'll get an invite when the time is right. Buy your energy on the Lightning Network. So come learn a little bit about that. Diffuse Tap in person, September 30th in New York City. And do join our Telegram group. Links in the chat. Um, introduce yourself. All that loveliness. I'll let anything else. No, except for we're excited to see you back here next week. Indeed you do. All right. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you soon. And Gerald, thank you very much for your wisdom and everybody else for showing up and uh, being part of the community. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time. <music>